And hello, welcome to Three Night Bender, the show where local Orlandoians and guys who went to UCF talk about things that are going on in Orlando with a focus on sports, especially UCF football. Um, especially, just, <laughs> especially. I am. Of is course, Orlando is Orlandoians like? Is that like the proper term? No, I have. Did you just make that up? Well, I I figure that's the way to say it. How else would you say it? I have no clue. I'll take your word for it. You've been here a lot longer than me. So. <laughs> Again, so. I am Hauser, and joined with me as as always is Boozos here. Um, we've got our uh, a beer of the night that uh, has a, a nice looking graphic on it. I'm going to let Boozos introduce it since he is the booze man. Okay. I'm the booze man. Yeah, it, yeah. People call me booze. It has nothing to do with alcohol. It's because my last name is Boozos. Uh, so we're drinking some Lost Coast Brewery, which is out in California. Great White, which is a wheat beer. It's quite delightful. A uh, good summer beer. We're not in summer anymore, but I always keep some handy because it's one of my favorite beers. It's got a nice, nice citrusy taste to it. It's one of it's something I've been drinking for a little while now. So when, when, is this your first time? Is this your first Great White experience? As far as I know, I'm not as uh, as much of a beer enthusiast as you are, so I'm pretty excited to Let's try it. Let's crack these babies open. Let's get started here. All right. Cheers, my friends. Cheers. All right. So, first thing we're going to talk about tonight, um, obviously the UCF game. They just played Houston at home. It was a noon game. Uh, not a lot of those this year. Um, you know, Thank that, God. Yeah. Brings in a different dynamic for sure. Um, you know, we, we tailgated together. We, we tailgated on Memory Mall. Had to get there super early to get the breakfast going, and uh, it was a quick tailgate. Um, and we had some breakfast shots. We had a lot of breakfast shots. Yeah, a yeah. Like, uh, I don't remember major portions <laughs> of that tailgate. Well, so, yeah. So, the, the tailgate was, was quick and, um, you know, probably drank a little more than I needed to before going into that game. And uh, the atmosphere, probably not the typical 7 o'clock time atmosphere for UCF football, the... The fans were not as prevalent throughout the stands. If you watched it on TV, I'm sure you saw that. If you were at the game, you obviously saw that. Um, but again, it's it's kind of a big ask to get these students out for a noon game on a Saturday. And really, um, being in the stands myself, I can say that the heat was incredible. Not because it was the hottest day of the year or anything, but there was no wind in that stadium. So if you were sitting in there as a night fan, you were drenched and covered in sweat, and uh, and it was a, it was a tough one to stick around for. But that's just my experience being in there. But the game itself, you know, went a little bit more positively. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, a slow start and I think a fast finish would be great. And I wouldn't say a fast finish. We had a fast third quarter, which seems to be our trend. Third quarter is our quarter so far this season. We've had some really good third quarter so far this year. But overall, a great uh, outing for the Knights. I mean, forty-four to twenty-nine win. Um, shut them down for the most part on offense, except for, you know, that the, they score first pretty quick. Everyone kind of got a little worried. And um, for the most part, we kept their quarterback tune. I mean, we, he was under 200 yards passing through an interception. We couldn't stop the run game, um, which kind of expected throughout the course of this season. We have a very young defensive line. We have some kids that transferred in that are freshmen, sophomores. So we, we don't have the beef that we had in the past with uh, Tristan Hill and you know some of those tackles that we had up the middle that stuffed the run. But, uh for the most part, you know, kind of kept them in check. That we, we eliminated huge plays, which was awesome. And the largest run of the entire game was only 37 yards. Um, held all of their receivers under 100 yards receiving. Meanwhile, I mean, DG, Dylan Gabriel, had another huge game, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles, 
ran the ball a bit, had his first rushing touchdown of the year, which was pretty awesome. The whole stadium, I know, lost their mind when they saw him keep that ball. Yeah, that was good. Um, Nice 22-yard run. Uh, I mean, great rushing all across the board. We didn't have a 100-yard rusher ourselves, but uh, had some pretty good outings. I mean, Batavius Thompson with two touchdowns had an awesome 40-yard run um, there in the third quarter, which, like I said, that's where we had the explosion. Trey Nixon, an amazing game from him, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Overall, the offense looked like it was clicking. In, a, in the way that we expect it every game, every week. Uh, but I was pretty happy with the overall uh, experience. I know a lot of people were kind of upset. We didn't cover the spread, and we were we were supposed to be 21.5-point favorites, and we obviously won by, what, 15? So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I'm not going to think about, like, the biggest odds on that kind of crap. Yeah. Just a recap on the game. I mean, Houston came down, and they scored first. Like you said, they were really – uh, you know, moving the ball on the ground against our defense and, and kind of what we expected out of our D-line, like you were saying, you know, we do have a young D-line. Um, I think that that really opened it up for the uh, for the passing game as well. I mean, that that's the name of football is if you can get your run game going, it's going to open your passing because then you've got your safeties coming down to help out as run support and it's uh, they're they're not able to focus as much on their on their duties of handling the pass. So because they got their run game going, we got burned a couple times deep. Um, they got ahead 10-0 before we were able to score. We went, we did two three and outs right at the beginning. And with our, with our offense, it's super exciting, Buzos, but if, if we don't score right away, we are on and off the field in about 10 seconds. I mean, we're on and off the field in 10 seconds, even when we score. So, I mean, our, our average, uh, time of possession for our offensive drive is something in like what, like two minutes. Yeah. So I mean, with this the, the, this designed offense, and some people gripe about, it, oh, we're got a lot of three and outs. It, it doesn't matter because as long as we get the ball back, we're, we're going to score and we're going to score quick. And the name of the game for this offense isn't retaining the ball and holding on to the ball. It's getting as many possessions as possible, and you do that by scoring as many times as possible, as fast as possible. So you know, we're an average team. And the game ranges between, you know, six and eight offensive drives up the course of the game. You know, sometimes ten if you're lucky. I mean, if you're if you're a running offense, you'll be more in that six range to eight. Um, you know, if you pass a little bit more and you and you score and you get the ball back a little more often because you hold you have a decent decent defense, you maybe you get the ball ten times in the game. But you know, our offense averages ten to twelve, so we get the ball a lot mostly because we don't hold on to it too long. Um, and hopefully, our, in our this defense is a bend don't break kind of defense. So. That sometimes doesn't help us getting the positions back because we need the defense to, you know, get three and outs or at least, you know, two first downs, make them pump the ball, and we get the ball and score quick. And then, you know, repeat process, rinse, dry, uh, repeat. But you know, I think overall the offense was clicking really well. I mean, I love watching them play. I love, I love this style. I love Heupel's offense. I think it, it serves what we're looking to do in the future. So. Yeah, I think it, the play calling was a little bit more on point this week, even though it didn't work out the first couple drives. That uh, our second scoring drive to me, I just remember, you know, we ran, I think, jet sweep and then and then threw a quick out and then ran it up the middle and then, you know, ran it around the side. We just we kept the defense guessing uh, on what we were going to do. And on top of that, on our third scoring drive, we started switching things up a lot. We brought in we brought in two backup quarterbacks. Yeah, that was awesome. One, the, cre- the creativity of that was great. Yeah, one was a running back. I mean, I I watched that play and I and I just you know I was thinking this is who's the Oklahoma coach right now? What's his name? Uh, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I was thinking, man, this looks like a Lincoln Riley play the way that he 
that Heupel drew that up, and that mm-hmm. was perfect. And then to cap it all off, uh, instead of leaving Mack in there to score, he brought Gabriel back in to run the ball into the end zone. So yeah. that was exciting to, to be there as a UCF fan. Uh, I think that put us up something like 20, 21 to 13 or, or something like mm-hmm. that. But, um, you know, that, I think that was the, the drive that had UCF on their feet because of the creativity and, and getting to see Wimbush. You know, I don't think UCF fans dislike Wimbush. I think no, they like no, him. No, no, He's a great, he's a, first, he's a great kid. He's good for the community. I mean, he's a scholar, went to Notre Dame, which is one of the best academic schools in the nation. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's a great kid. It's just, he's not, a great throwing quarterback. Right. And he was never going to be a great throwing quarterback. But he we all wanted him there. to be. You want him to we, be. You, we want, hope, you, know. you hope maybe, you know, he comes in, we got the quarterback whisperer. You know, Heupel was a great quarterback in college, and he's obviously coached great quarterbacks between Mackenzie Milton before he got hurt, and he coached True Locke. And I can't remember the kid he coached at Utah State, but he had a career year when he was over there as the offensive coordinator. So he is a bit of a quarterback guru, and you hope that he can come in and take a kid like Wimbush and make him a better quarterback. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, but he is a phenomenal athlete. He's fast. He's shifty in space. He makes kids miss. And that's why I thought the transition to wide receiver would be a more natural position for him um, which I hate to say, because I know a lot of people like to do that. Everyone thought Lamar Jackson was going to be a receiver in the NFL, and now he's a possible MVP candidate as a quarterback. Yeah. So it's really hard. I don't, I don't want to say that just because you're a running-style quarterback, you can't be a passing quarterback, but his accuracy wasn't there. Lamar Jackson's a much better passer than Wimbush will ever be in his life, unfortunately. But he's still a good kid. He's a great athlete, and you got to find ways to get those athletes on the field, get them the ball, make some plays, and it showed. he showed – that on that drive, that that's something that he can do. We can use him in those kind of circumstances. And then the defense. What are you thinking as a defense when you see Matt come in, a running quarterback <laughs> with a rocket arm? You got Wimbush, who's also technically a quarterback. I mean, right now I know he's kind of a receiver right now, but a phenomenal athlete. What do you, that's such a stretch as a DC that you would be losing your mind, thinking, "What the hell am I going to do <laughs> to stop whatever?" And, and then you got to. I, I want to see them have those two come out and keep Gabriel on the field. Yeah. Keep them guessing in that way because you have the that that would just throw that would, that would give defensive coordinators nightmares when they're reviewing film. Well, even on that play, they didn't snap it to a quarterback. It was either uh, Otis Smith or or AK that actually got the snap. Otis and, Smith. What was was it? Otis Smith oh, was or Otis, Otis Anderson. Anderson? Sorry, I always want to say Otis. I'm Smith. sorry, I'm Otis. A, I'm an old man. If you guy. if you listen to this, I'm really sorry that <laughs> so, yeah, Otis Anderson. You like that. Um, <laughs> one of those two guys got the ball, handed it to Mac, and Mac. Handed it to Wimbush on a reverse. So, yeah, super creative. Very cool to watch. Um, you know, going into the third quarter, we were actually down at halftime. But mm-hmm. I don't think the feeling of the, the fans were that we were in any trouble. Because I think our offense was starting to click at that point. We knew that uh, our defensive coordinator, of course, Randy Shannon, was going to do his halftime adjustments. Uh, we've just come to, uh, to know that... Things are going to change for our defense over the the course of a halftime. And if an offense is doing well in the first half, he's going to find a way to uh, slow them down quite a bit. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, The third quarter was where it was at, you know, turned the whole thing around. And then they went into into slow motion after that uh, pretty pretty quick in the fourth quarter just to get out of the game with a win. And we were just talking about – I was mentioning about the offense earlier. This offense is the type of offense, this team, it doesn't matter if you're up by 30. You better keep on scoring as the opposing team every time you touch the ball because this team can come back lightning fast. You see fast and score 21 to 28 points in a quarter 
and erase a deficit immediately. I mean, it happened to Pitt. We were down by how many scores against Pitt? Like 21? Yeah. At one point, and we, erased, we, we, we erased that deficit really quickly. Same with Cincinnati. Took a pretty good lead on us. We come back pretty quick. It's that's the that's this type of offense. Now, unfortunate thing with a young quarterback when you have a freshman, occasionally you're going to have you know inaccurate throws. You're not things going to be offbeat. You might be miss up the miss up the timing on routes, whatever it might be, and uh, you have to compensate for that sometimes and, and know that there's it's give and take when you have a young offense, which for the most part is pretty young. They're mostly sophomores, juniors with a freshman quarterback. Um, I think next year it's going to be lightning. It's going to be amazing. I look for. I know some people look at this season as a bit of a disappointment at this point because we're seven and two and we probably should be undefeated. And a lot of people wonder what this team, what this whole situation would look like if we're undefeated right now with the college football uh, rankings that we're going to talk about a little bit later being released. Um, but yeah, next year's. I don't like looking that far ahead because we still have plenty of football left, and Lord knows what could possibly happen with Cincinnati maybe maybe dropping some games. They obviously look vulnerable against ECU. Um, almost losing that game to a team that we just put a smackdown on. So uh, let's see how that plays out. But I just yeah. want to say, I, I thoroughly look forward to next year, knowing the f- Milton may be coming back. You got DG back. It's going to be a packed quarterback room if Mac decides not to transfer. And you got all those skill players coming back. And we'll talk about some of that other stuff a little bit later. Um, but also going into, thankfully, injury bug, virtually non-existent this game, which is amazing. And best case is we got McRae. Looks like he might be cleared to come back and play against Tulsa, which is going to be the next thing we talk about is about uh, the game this Friday. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was thinking, I, I wasn't thinking about Tulsa for a second. You brought up that ECU game, and I went back three hours of my life after watching <laughs> that. Freaking A, man. ECU was all over it. It looked like they were going to pull off the upset and then throw a pick six there right at the end. Yeah. Man, that was that, a really good game, though. That kid, I, uh, Allers, Ehlers, the quarterback? Uh-huh. Was fun. Did you watch that game? I watched parts of it, but that, I, I first, followed it on my phone. That's, that kid's a sophomore. I didn't realize this. C.J. Johnson Jr., the number five wide receiver who looked phenomenal against us, is a freaking freshman. Yeah. Did you see that kid? I. I mean, he I, had something like three hundred yards receiving against Cincinnati's yeah. defense, which is one of the best in our one of the best in the country, let alone our conference. That kid's a freshman. He's six three. 230-pound freshman receiver, he will be a top-10 NFL draft pick in three years. I guarantee that. You will, can book that. Will he be at ECU in three years? Uh, no, he's gonna. I, I definitely <laughs> think he's going to be gone after his junior year. He's gonna, I think he's going to stay. I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. That's the other thing that's terrifying about ECU. ECU is going to be a 10-win team here with Mike Houston in a couple of years. Those kids are freshmen and sophomores across the board. Offensive line freshman, sophomore, sophomore quarterback, three sophomore uh, uh, receivers, I guess, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, freshman receivers. You got a sophomore running back. They're young as hell. And they just put up 43 points against arguably the best defense in our conference. Yeah, I wish they would have put up 50, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. ECU is looking good. Our whole conference is looking good. It is. But... Uh, the, the American is definitely on the rise. Yeah. And we're, we're going up against another uh, the conference foe here. This is one of the, the foes that people want to kick out of the league. But I, I tell you what, don't sleep on Tulsa. They've had a uh, a long string of playing some tough teams. I think, you know, if, if you look at the teams they've played recently, I think it's like uh, Memphis, Navy, SMU, uh, Tulane. So some of the really tough teams in our conference, they've been having close games with, at least for most of the game. Um, and, and now we're going to roll in there. And 
booze, I don't know if you know this or not, but we've never won at Tulsa. No, we haven't. And I mean, we, 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 they were with us in Conference USA. Uh-huh. I, I would argue they were one of our rivals in Conference USA because we were always one of the top, between us and them, we were always at the top of the conference. Yep. But didn't we play against them? And no, it was SMU in one of the conference style games. I believe Tulsa was one no, of the No, we played, we played Tulsa well. in one of the, and I remember I was on the sidelines. I was working for ESPN for the conference game. I was holding like, like one of those name dropping. Well, I was working for ESPN. boom mics or something. And uh, yeah, I was on a podcast with me. I <laughs> formerly used to work yeah. for ESPN at some point. I had got a job because I was a wrestler and they, they hired us to come work the, the stuff on the field. But I remember... Um, Brandon Marshall catching a huge pass mm-hmm. down the field and just standing right next to him and, and going nuts and jumping up and down with the equipment. I probably didn't do a very good job for that game. But, <laughs> uh, the other thing about Tulsa, I remember our fans used to always uh, I know carry a big saying. sign that said yes. Tulsa equals or backwards equals a slut or something yes. like that. Yeah. Yes, that's one of my favorite little <laughs> Tulsa things, a slut. Um, no, but when you talk about Tulsa's schedule, I mean – they lost to Michigan State, who is, a, you know, that's a Power 5 school. Traditionally pretty good. They're having a down year this year. Lost to Oklahoma State, another Power 5 school. Uh, Navy, who is looking phenomenal this year, put a slap down on them. But they go to, what is it, triple overtime with SMU, who remained undefeated. They lost to Memphis by one point. They lost to Cincinnati by 11. So, I mean, Tulane, they stayed within two scores. So, a, a, a good team. That should not be taken lightly. Uh, yeah, and I think our fans are probably seeing two and seven and thinking, "Oh, we got this," and you know, it's not going to be a big deal. It's a Friday game, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, you never want to change things up with what your team's doing. We got a short week this week, and we're traveling, so that's another thing that is going to make this game, you know, tough. And anytime a team is facing uh, UCF, who's been the stud team in the in the conference for quite a while now, they're going to get up for those games. It's their Super Bowl, exactly. I mean. I hate to say it, I don't, I don't like making it sound as too cocky, but that's the truth. It's basically their Super Bowl. And their coach is going to be getting them jacked up and telling them, hey, we've, they've never beaten us here. They're coming into our house. They've never won. Let's give it to our fans. Their fans will show up. You know, it's it's going to – this is going to be a tough game. It is, and, and they got playmakers on offense. I mean, I just told you some of the scores. They scored over 40 points going up against Memphis. They, they scored over 30 points at least three times this season. They've got a quarterback that's run for almost 2,500 yards and 12 touchdowns against six picks. They've got a pretty good running back who's run for over 750 yards and five touchdowns. they got a pretty good receiver with over 750 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, overall, they've got some playmakers, and, you know, those kids are also young, so they're going to continue to grow. And, you know, it's a team that you can't go in expecting to win. Because if you do, you're going to get caught off guard. You're going to get down early. And like you just said, there's that mystique. Sometimes that plays into your mind when you know those kind of statistics as a football player. And I experienced as a coach when you coach a group of kids. And I remember college kids are not much different from high school. They're only off by a couple years. It's really difficult to get a bunch of 20, 18, 19-year-old kids to get up every week and do exactly what you want them to do every freaking week and perform at the highest level to go undefeated for two freaking regular seasons. Mm-hmm. And when you coach kids and you have that kind of like in the back of your head, for example, I'm coaching for a local school and we lost to all the other local schools that we played this year in our conference, in our, in our, in our county. And there's that mystique when you have those kids of you, you've never beaten this school. You've never beaten that crosstown rival. You never beat that school that's you know, 15 minutes away. And even though we were the better team, I think, than a lot of the schools that we played, we ended up losing those games because I think that kind of sticks in the back of your mind. You get down early, you know, you, they, they score a touchdown or two, and suddenly you're thinking to yourself, oh, shoot, you know, we, we, we've never beaten this team before. 
you know, we haven't beaten them in 15 years. Can we beat them? And that starts to play in the back of your mind. So that's something that I guarantee is going to be posted all over, you know, boards in the locker room for those kids to know. Like, especially, I wouldn't be surprised if Tulsa does that to their away locker room. Like, you've never won here. And that, you know, they're going to be on the sideline if Tulsa gets up a couple scores. Now you're starting thinking about that. Yeah, we've never won here. Can we? Is that possible? And so, you know, hopefully they come out. They come out firing quick. We get the fast start that we're looking for that we haven't really had yet this year except for against Stanford. Um, and we just smack the living crap at them because we should have the capability of doing another Temple game where it's 63-21. That's what the end score should be. Yeah, that'd be, it'd be nice to see. I mean, uh, did, did you mention some of their key players at all, Tulsa? Yeah, yeah, no, we talked about – I mentioned their quarterback. Uh, you know, his name is um, – Zach Smith, like I said, he you know is thrown for over two thousand, almost two thousand five hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, um, low completion percentage in, in the mid fifties, but you know still a solid quarterback. That's obviously but he's thrown more touchdowns than interceptions, so that's that's not an easy thing to do in college football. Uh, Shamari Brooks is their run is their lead running back. They got a couple other guys below him, but he seems to be the the actual cowbell that gets the ball the most with five touchdowns. Although Corey Taylor the second um, also has almost four hundred yards and five touchdowns. They got a really good receiver in Keelan Stokes, who actually might be an NFL pick. Um, good size to the kid; he's quick, over 750 yards uh, receiving, five touchdowns. Got a couple receivers below that, but none that really produce those touchdowns like you're looking for. I mean, you know, one kid, uh, Sam Cro- uh, Sam Crawford, um, has over 500 yards receiving, only two touchdowns, so he's not necessarily like the scoring threat. But you know, they like to pass the ball; they pass the ball successfully this year. So um, our DBs, that that's kind of where we're right now. Uh, weak. I mean, we lost. Uh, um, Bam Moore, so yeah, that's one of the best defensive backs we had, and that's always going to, I think, be a problem. But, you know, I'll give this to them. We've done a really good job against the pass this season, um, despite the fact that we're missing, you know, one of our key players on defense. And, uh, you know, they can run the football, so we just got to make sure we clog up the middle, um, force them to get out of their comfort zone, and it should be, it should be, I guess that it should be a big-time victory. But you never know in college football. On any, any given Saturday is the common phrase, but... In this, in this case, beginning given Friday. Yeah, so Friday night game. If you guys are traveling out to that game, please represent UCF well. Um, we're going to need the support. Um, you know, our Houston game, we did wear those really cool space uniforms. I think they would have looked better at night, but they still were amazing. Um, those are going to be up for auction soon, Booz. And I, know. The, the, <laughs> I, saw, uh, I saw a tweet that said they were going to be up for auction later this week. Um, some of you guys who got space game uniforms in the past, these are going to have a bigger price tag on them. And is that, is that like known? Like that's for sure going to be yeah, a bigger price and, tag? And that, that's came out from, I think the UCF media said it was going to have a bigger price tag and it, it makes sense. I mean, these, all these, uh, helmets are one-time use last mm-hmm. year. They were reused and repurposed. Um, these were specially painted. Uh, from the uh, who was it who did that? Well, Shut did the Shut, Shut did the helmet, but they actually con- subcontracted out to uh, an artist to do all the painting. Okay. So they are they are like hand painted helmets, which is pretty freaking cool. And the uh, the uniform as a whole is very cool, but I think it's the helmets that are going to have the heftier price tag. So if you are interested in getting one of those space uniforms at the uh, the auction, just pay attention to Twitter. That that link will come out soon. And uh, I think last year. Most of the stuff was the the starting bid was about a thousand bucks. This year, look for it to be more than that. I haven't seen an actual price, but I'm going to guess it's going to be about between, I'd say probably two thousand to the starting point. That, that, I, that would make sense to me. It depends on how they do it. Like if they're going to do a full uniform where it's helmet, jersey, pants. Mm-hmm. If they're going to break it off into pieces, where you can buy just the helmet, because I don't think last year you could buy just the helmet. No. I think you had to buy the whole set. So, but if anybody does find out, my uh, Twitter is at Coach Buzos. Last name is Bill B-O-U-Z-A-S. Please tweet at me 
the moment you see because I intend on bidding on one of these. <laughs> I want one of these uniforms. My my wife even suggested that we get a mannequin and like put the uniform on the mannequin and have it chilling up in the bar, which would be ridiculous. And it's going to scare the crap out of me when I try sneaking out of the room to go get like a drink in the middle of the night and <laughs> see that guy sitting over in the in my bonus room, uh, looking horrifying in the nighttime. So, uh, but no, I definitely want one of those uniforms. I missed out last year. I, I thought about it. I teetered on it. I have the worst FOMO ever, where yeah. there's so many things I want to buy and I'm like ah. I don't need that. Yeah. And then I don't buy it and I hate my life for not I want to buy those things too, but uh, you know, it's not just me telling me I can't buy them. It's also my wallet. So if you, <laughs> if you see the, uh, the mini helmet come out for the space game uniform this year, please tweet me at Hauser tube. Let me know about that. I'll, I'll be interested in bidding on the mini helmet. That's maybe, uh, you know, 50 bucks. I'd, I'd much rather spend that than the, the two grand price tag that the, uh, the space uniforms will probably happen. Um, and uh, let's see, what else is going on this week? Uh, FSU. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, made a change with their coach. They are no longer on the bus with Willie Taggart. They have Poor fired Willie. him. Um, how do you feel about that change? Uh, I mean, I'll, two things. One, I wanted him to be there because yeah. is he a product of when – he, when he was at USF, was he a product of Flowers? I mean – he went seven and five in his year at Oregon. He, he really wasn't. I mean, he had flowers in his entire really tenure at USF. So um, won a lot of games with their best quarterback in school history. Screw you, Matt Murphy. Um <laughs> That's for Stephen D'Agostino. Um, but I'm always a kind of you need to give a guy time. You do. Yeah, I if agree. you're going to change culture, if you're going to bring in your set of kids, it doesn't happen overnight. Jimbo Fisher, as great a coach as he was, he saw that thing tanking. I don't know what he saw. Maybe it was because the kids just weren't panning out the way. It was probably his attitude because I don't. I think he is kind of an a hole of a coach. But you know, he jumps ship and Taggart, you know, takes in those kids, does the best he can with his situation, and I think he just really royally got screwed. You know, not even two years. Yeah, I think a coach needs at least three to four. I agree. I mean, if you're gonna fire him this year, I don't think you do it in the this early, I think maybe you wait till the Florida game or, you know, until, uh, before the bowl, but to fire the guy this quick is, is crazy to me. Unless you have somebody else in mind and, and are just going to plug them in right away. You're going to, right now there are guys from FSU who are decommitting on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, you're losing major recruiting implications from this. Yeah. I mean, and let, you're going to have to announce a coach quickly or you're going to mess up this entire recruit recruiting class. I mean, there's just, there's no chance at it. But as much as I don't like Willie because he was at USF and, and how he ran up to score against Frost his uh, first year, I think, um, I'm, I feel bad for the guy as well. I, he's a guy who continued to fall up. He, he went to Oregon and, you know, had a decent record at Oregon, wasn't it? Seven and great. five. And again, one year at Oregon. Yeah. And after that whole situation where um, oh God, what was his name? Mark Helfrich, I think his name was. Yeah, the head coach over at Oregon who was canned. He was losing talent. He weren't. I mean, which a school like Oregon, it's very similar to a place like Nebraska and any of those Midwest schools because it's in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. Who the hell wants to go to Eugene, Oregon? I'm giving. I've heard that the school is phenomenal and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it looks great. And and obviously they're sponsored by Nike and the 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 CEO and founder of Nike. Um, is an alumni there and, and donates millions of dollars to that program. That's why they have a new uniform every oh, week. Yeah. So that obviously plays into it. But, 
you know, you go to a place like Oregon, you're not going to win immediately. You got to get kids to buy in. You got to get recruits in there to win. Um, some people have said this might be karma because he basically dumped Oregon the moment FSU came calling. Oh yeah, which you know, Oregon yeah, fans are laughing right now. They right? really are. And <laughs> I mean, I'm not. And to be honest, I'm laughing for Taggart because he just walked away with over $17 million. Yeah, it's hard to feel bad for a guy who's, <laughs> who's getting paid that much money to do nothing. So yeah. I don't know I don't know what his next step is. Does he go uh, to another school? He'll, go to, he'll either go to like a Division I AA school, maybe like a, a, a group of five school for a year or two before he gets another Power 5 opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get overlooked. I mean, he is a good – and I, I've met him before. He's a really nice guy. He cares about his kids. The athletes obviously loved him. I saw multiple FSU people who were tweeting out saying that they were sorry they let him down. They loved him. So, I mean, when you're a coach, you build those relationships and you wish the best for the – because he's obviously he, – I don't think he's one of the bad guys of college football. He's a, he's a good dude. He does right. he does things the right way. FSU obviously had a huge discipline problem, and that may reflect a little bit on him not coming down as harshly on his kids. But overall, he wasn't an ass. Like you know, he, I, I thought he represented FSU in a pretty good way. Um, so it is unfortunate he didn't get to do that, but he so, walks away with a huge pocket full of money. Absolutely. So he's going to be just fine. They promote a longtime assistant, um, Odell Haggins, who I got actually to meet this summer. I went to a cool football camp with some kids, uh, did this thing called the um, College Football uh, Fund, which was run by a, a future um, uh, guest host is going to come on here and talk with us, Stephen Moffat, former UCF quarterback. He runs a cool program locally here where we take kids from you know various schools like Edgewater, uh, Sanford Seminole, Winter Park, Lake Howell. We took those kids on a college tour and got to meet some of the coaches over there. And Odo Hoggins was a really cool guy, really nice. Their D-line coach, been there forever. He's been there through multiple coaching changes. I think since the 90s he's been over there with uh, – he was there with Bobby Bowden for the longest time. Um, they actually just promoted too, which I think is funny, talking about USF coaches, Jim Levitt. Recognize that name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jim Levitt? No, I knew he was out there. They were talking about him and and that he wasn't really allowed to be on the field with them, but the kids liked him. Um, Yeah. Well, they just promoted him to be an assistant coach due to Tech getting fired. Yeah. Well, he's I'm, back on that staff. Good for him. And <laughs> but who's going to take now? Who's going to take over for Taggart? That's a good question. So uh, they released some odds out there. You know, we got sports betting is obviously illegal but huge here, and they released the odds of uh, the new FSU coach. So you got Matt Campbell over at Iowa State, uh, currently the leader in the odds with a plus three hundred to get the job. Mark Stoops over at Kentucky. Bob Stoops, who's obviously tagged to be one of the XFL head coaches and former head coach over at uh, Oklahoma. You got P.J. Fleck rowing the boat up there at Minnesota, James Franklin of Penn State, and Urban Meyer, who's currently making millions of dollars to just talk on a mic occasionally for you know broadcasting and uh, former UF and Ohio State head coach. Um, personally, I think Matt Campbell would be a great choice. Obviously, he's the leading candidate. He's been the he's been the the big school killer. Iowa State has just had some great games against top five opponents that he's won, and he's done a great job at his school. I mean, hey, it's in Iowa. No offense to people who the, the maybe the one person in the next ten years from Iowa who ever listen to this podcast. Nobody does anything in Iowa. It's yeah. What, I, I, other than wrestling, I know wrestling is huge in Iowa, yeah, but absolutely. other than that, um, he, he's done great with Iowa State. Other, my personal pick, who I want to see as a head coach of FSU would be that would be PJ Fleck. He's a young coach, only thirty eight years old. He did wonderful things with Western Michigan, who had never been a top 25 team in their school's history. Makes them a top 25 school, takes them to an undefeated season like like, like Frost did with us, um, and then goes up to Minnesota and after a couple down years has them currently sitting at 8-0. And now they're about to play in Wisconsin and possibly push them up into the top 10 if they win that game. 
So I really like P.J. Fleck. I think he's a phenomenal coach. I think he's one of those guys that if you give a couple years to buy into his culture, will turn your program around. Not to say that Mark, Matt Campbell can't because he obviously did at Iowa State, but P.J. Fleck is my guy. I kind of got him a man coaching crush on him. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of the candidates that they have going on right now. I, I know Heupel actually was on that list from a couple people. He's not on these odds that I'm looking at for sports not, but he was listed in uh, the Orlando Sentinel as 7-1 to one odds to actually be an, the FSU head coach. How do you, how do you feel about I'm that? not buying it. I, you know, I like the list that you put out. I think that's probably a little more accurate, the one coming from Vegas. The thing I don't like about the list is – well, or the thing that's unique is, you know, out of the names you read, only two of those guys aren't – currently coaching right i mean yeah. the rest of those guys are probably going to have to see their team through the conference championship before oh, yeah. and so florida state again isn't going to have a name they're losing recruits i think they're going to try and go after bob stoops more than anybody because they can plug him in he's a big name did you it, see the did you see a report i mean the reports were that stoops was in tallahassee getting ready to sign a contract and herb street came out and was like that's completely false yeah so, but I don't trust anything anybody says. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> you know, very true. We've, we've been through it so many times where we don't think somebody's going to leave and then they leave, or we don't think something's going to happen and it happens. And so I just, I don't, I only trust what I, I, you know what, I trust Vegas more than anything else. Vegas and, gets it right, dude. <laughs> Vegas had, uh, I don't remember what game it was. It was an NFL game where they had it as, um, excuse me, like I think th- like three and a half point favorites and. Uh, whenever you look at the Vegas odds and then you watch the NFL, and this has nothing to do with college football, but it's pretty crazy how dead on they are with their scores. Yeah. They're usually within a couple points. It's insane. So, yeah, I, I, the people at Vegas, they're like the the creator of the Simpsons that can just see into the future, and they're pulling some kind of strings. They're like that uh, the commercial for Buffalo, Buffalo Wild Wings where they slap the button, and it like you can alter whatever the hell is happening for well, your benefit. Speaking of odds and rankings, while we're doing this show, the college football playoff rankings come out. Before oh. you look, before you look, I want I to ask you, it. Okay, go I ahead. want you to give me what you think the top four teams are in a Top four? Order. Yeah. So who's, okay. the, who's, who's number one? LSU. Are you serious? It's not LSU. LSU is coming in at number two. So who, who is the number one team in the country right now? The number one team, uh, Bama? I don't think Bama can be. Bama is number three. Okay. Ohio State? Ohio State, number one they team. They have Ohio State as right number one. Number one. Uh, four is probably surprising, too, or maybe not that surprising. Who Clemson? Think? It is not Clemson. Clemson's not even the top four? They are number wow. five. Clemson is five. That kind of threw Okay. So, so, so who's number four? Yeah. So if it's not LSU, Bama, or Clemson, Ohio State's the number one. So, uh, it can't be Georgia. It's not Georgia. It is a Big Ten team. A Big Ten school. Penn State? Penn State. They have Penn State number four? Yep. And then then this list says that James Franklin's going to leave to go to FSU. (laughs) Yeah. That is insane. First off, whoever whoever thought of that, that James Franklin will leave that job is insane. Penn State is a blue blood staple in college football. Not to say that, I mean, because, and I'll argue this with so many people at FOR, is like, who are blue blood? There's only like eight blue blood schools. That have been playing college football since the freaking 1800. That's what makes you a blue blood, as you're one of the original football programs that have been good for over a hundred years. Sorry, Florida's not a blue blood. FSU is not a blue blood. Miami's not a blue blood because they have not been good for a hundred years. Right. Penn State is. You don't leave Penn State to go to FSU unless you're unless you're coming for that no state tax. <laughs> and the fact that it's not the temperature of Pennsylvania all year round, you get to come to Florida where it's beautiful. Right. So that's the only reason I would leave Penn State, which I think is a top five program job in the country yeah. to, right, right now. I mean, it's got to be a huge check for 
for a guy like that. Franklin's gonna after this season, he will get he will get an extension in a race. Yeah, because I, I guarantee the rumors are playing through the AD's head like, oh, okay. So Franklin, we're gonna bump your pal- salary up at six million a year and extend you extend you through twenty twenty seven. How's that sound? Right. Screw you, FSU. <laughs> well, as as far as the uh, wow, really, our- Ohio State's number one. They are number one. I didn't. I mean, don't get me wrong; they've been kicking the crap out of people, but they haven't really played like the strongest schedule so far. Yeah, the rest of the top ten here: number six, Georgia; seven, Oregon; eight, Utah; nine, Oklahoma; and ten, Florida. Um, Oregon's not in the top ten. No, no, Oregon was seven. They were seven. Okay, yeah. good for that. I mean, I'm glad to see Oregon. I, I, I want more parity than just FSU schools. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little mad for LSU. I hate the SEC. I hate SEC schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, LSU killing it this year makes me feel great because we lost to them by a score in, yeah. that, in, in the Fiesta Bowl. But, I mean, they played a top, 10, a top 10 team in Florida. They played a top 12 team in Auburn. They had a pretty they, – they beat some really good – they, they played Texas earlier this year. Yeah. By a touchdown. The thing is, I don't think it matters because LSU and Alabama play this week. Yeah, they're going to play Saturday, so, and then LSU will be number one. Whoever wins I think LSU is going to beat the crap out of – not beat the crap. I think they're going to beat Bama. I, I, the reports are that Tua might not play that game. Yeah. So if that's the case, I think Bama is thinking, let's just get him rested up because we're still going to play a couple more games, and they'll still end up in the top four by the end of the year based on – you know, the next three games that they'll play. How do you think Justin Fields is feeling right now where he sees uh, Georgia's dropped a game, they're sitting at six. And and, and Justin Fields in the number one team number leading one that spot. school. I mean, Fromm is the quarterback chaser, but that's awesome. Good for, good for Fields, good for Ohio State. I didn't see that coming, to be and honest. The, the Americans I mean, still has the same four teams in. The uh, the order switched up a bit. Um, I don't have it right here, but I think it was SMU at 25, Navy at 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis may have been like 22 or something. They really... This committee hates group of five schools. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad there was Boise on that list. Boise is in. I don't remember what what number they're at. I'm just kind of watching the live programming here, but um, I'm I'm just I'm glad that we still have four teams in the in the spots there. So at least it's making the American look good as far as having ranked teams. No, absolutely. I mean, we have the third most schools in the country as far as being ranked in the top 25. So for all the haters out there, we're doing better than the Big 12 and the Pac 10. Mm-hmm. Or Pac twelve, Pac ten. They've been in the Pac ten in like fifteen years, <laughs> and the and the ACC. I right. mean, the only schools doing better than us is the Big Ten and the SEC. So, uh, Americans looking real good right now. Proud Absolutely. of that. Proud of that. Let's get rid of that paper. Yeah. Let's, let's. Final thing. Final thing. The thing I am most excited about. I've been waiting for this for years. Okay. Years. <laughs> and that's NCAA finally agreeing. To pay players for their likeness so EA can bring back the NCAA football franchise, which I still, I, I went out and bought a an, an, an Xbox 360 just so I can keep playing NCAA 14. I've noticed that when I've come over here. Yeah, it's just sitting over there right now. I got, now, like, I have my UCF Knights. I think the year right now is like 2044. We're like 14 time national champions. We've had like 20 <laughs> Heisman Trophy winners, top, top recruiting class every year in the nation. Like, that, that I love that game so much. I have missed that game. With that game, I've never played it. To be honest, are, I know it's great. You are missing. Do they have out. the players' names in the game? They do not, because it. You got to remember, it takes. You can actually download. People will take the time out of their own day to sit there and add the names onto the roster for you and make it a downloadable roster. Okay. So they really don't change the ratings or anything, but you can download an updated roster every year. I mean, every every year the game 
comes out a new, a new style. And, and then after a while, like, they actually auto-generate names. So it's like, like that first year when you get it, it'll say, like, like back when Bortles on it, he was just number five. And then you can see um, Holman below him was number 13. And, like, Storm Johnson was number eight. So it has, like, the, the pound and then the, and the number. Right. They don't actually give them the names. You can auto-generate names for them. Okay. So you click a button and it just gives them all names. It's not their actual name. But it does at least give them something on the back of their jersey. And then if you want, like I said, you can download rosters that update it. And then as you recruit in the game, you get kids with actual names on the team. So after like four years or so, you actually have all of the rosters cleared out. And then it's all kids with made-up names and stuff like that. It's so, so when this game comes back, is it going to have the names, do you think? I mean, now that there's Well, this now they're being... Or... I mean, that's a good question. I think... It, NCAA did that partially from that whole money thing, but also it is really difficult to have to update that all the time. I mean, with Madden, you have 32 teams, and there's 53 players per team. You obviously got some free agents, but there's not nearly as many players in the NFL as there is in college football. That would take forever for all 130 Division I football teams that have 75-man rosters. Yeah. You're talking thousands of college football players. you got to actually... Yeah. I feel like someone would do it, though. I, feel I, like I would hope. I mean, you got to do it the right way. Which, that's I, I feel like it could it. be a game that you you know, you would purchase it every year, but it would always be the kind of the same thing, and your new recruits would come in, and they would update all those names, and you could play with every player on the team. Heck, someone might even update it weekly for you, so you could... Uh, you know, you could you could do a season with the actual injuries that that happened. You know, this is me just dreaming, but um, kind of kind of seems like a unique idea. That I mean, would, it'll be badass. Cool. So, I mean, the whole preference behind this, um, California Governor Governor Newsom actually put into place uh, what they call the Fair Pay to Play Act, um, which starting twenty twenty three in California, college athletes could be compensated for their likeness, and it wouldn't affect them anyway in terms of they can no longer play amateur sports. Which that's that's kind of the thing is. The NCAA says that you can't get played because you're an amateur. So the moment you start getting paid for anything, you lose your eligibility, can't play anymore. So that's kind of like that dance. The whole thing came with, um, I can't remember his name, but there was that there was a college basketball player back in the 2000s because um, NCAA had a college basketball game as well. And he sued because his likeness was being used. And there was that massive lawsuit where thousands of former college ball players got paid for that. You can just, it was one of those, uh, what do they call those lawsuits? That, like you can, class action. Class action suits. So a class action suit was filed. Tens of thousands of people applied for it. So everyone got like a $20 check, which I know it's not true. I think some people got like a couple thousand bucks. The The person who put it through, um, I'm actually going to Google his name as I'm talking about this, but he actually got like $15,000, which is pennies compared to, you know, what the game was actually making. I, I, I think he was legitimately hated by the, you know, NCAA video game sports community for the longest time because he right. took that away from everyone. Um, so California comes out and says that. Rick DeSantos, the governor here in Florida, comes out and says that he would do the same thing. And there was a lot of speculation because by doing that, now you're changing the game of college football because now you have to consider where are athletes going to go play ball? Are you going to go to Wyoming? Are you going to go to Michigan? Are you going to go to Nebraska when I can go to California and actually get a paycheck? So that changes the recruiting dynamic as well. So I think the fact that states were coming out and saying that they're going to change legislation where the NCAA can't rule you ineligible or they're going to break away from the NCAA and kind of do their own conferences and leagues so the colleges can still make t- millions of dollars more because now they can market their stuff completely differently. And that kind of, I think, scared the living crap out of the NCAA. So now rules are being changed that will allow college football players to make money off their likeness, which is great for them. You know, those kids 
bring these institutions tens of millions of dollars every year, putting their bodies on the line, going out there smiling, kissing babies, shaking hands, doing all the <laughs> things that politicians, people get paid to do. So I'm happy for them. You know, do I do I think that they deserve massive paychecks? No, because you're getting a free education. So I think that's a bit of a trade off. Um, and I think people forget that you get that whole argument between oh, should they get paid or not? Oh, they're getting a free fifty thousand dollar degree, and I had to take out loans to go to school. So screw them. You know, that's the argument that everyone wants to make. But there's still when you're looking at the enter- entertainment industry, which is what this is. College football is a massive entertainment industry. Major piece of the pie was not going to the people that are providing the labor. They were getting pretty pissed, and they're going to get compensated fairly. So I'm all for that. I'm excited that they're going to get that. I'm excited that that game should be coming back into existence because I've waited since 2013. So it's been six horrible years of not having that game in my life. Yeah, it's kind of funny how the NCAA handled the whole situation where you know they they didn't ever want to do this, and then when California jumped in, and then Florida said something, the NCAA tried to look like, oh yeah, this is a good idea. We're going to lead the charge, and we agree and blah. No, you were forced to do it. You just wanted to get out ahead of it and make it look like you were the good guy and that it was your idea. So they've done that. They, they've said that they are going to base it on the collegiate model for pay, whatever that is. And, uh, so they're going to, they're going to try and make their own rules that are going to, you know, keep it as much under wraps as they can. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge game changer like everyone thinks it's going to be. I think, like you said, Some players are going to make some money off of sponsorship. Uh, I think the same five-star players and four-star players are going to go to the big schools they were going to go to, regardless of the, or of the, um, you know, the, the massive contracts they can get now. They were still going to go to those schools anyway. So it's not like UCF is going to be hurt any more than they've already been hurt. Um, there's, they're not getting those five-star recruits that are going to get those paychecks. So I don't see it changing the game significantly. Hopefully it's for the better, but um, I think that, you know, it's, it's just the times are changing and, and things are getting righted and then it's just the time to do it. So. Absolutely. So as we're wrapping up over here, and, and Ed O'Bannon was his name, by the way. So that's a, that's a former NCAA basketball player that sued for that. So uh, Magic playing right now, playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Looks like they're down by three at the moment. Which oh, God, please pull this off. They do. Both of us are two and four. I mean, Magic has dropped their last four. Yeah, they slid. They look good, and then they just lose it. But they're they're still fun to watch. I'm going to be a Magic yeah. fan, even if we're two and and seventy eight at the end of the series season. I'm don't say that. I'm still going to be a Magic <laughs> fan because I like the players. I think they're personable, and uh, you know, Mo, Mo Bamba is, is nursing an injury now. They yeah. think so. It's just some things are happening. But I I'm going to be there for those guys. I'm going to get out to some games. I I think you. Guys I'm actually excited play. for tomorrow's game. They're playing the Mavericks. Okay. That's, a, that's a good looking team to play. I mean, they got Luka Doncic, who's a pretty fun basketball player to watch. They got the uh, the, the was it the Latvian Hammer, Christoph Porzingis now plays for them. I can't even pronounce these names. So I mean, that, I think that'll be a fun game. I'm going to watch that tomorrow for sure. You got anything else uh, you want to close out with? Any games? Anything you can think of top of your head? I, I'm spent. No, I mean, I I think we did it all. I, I'm really looking forward to this Tulane game. Hopefully, we can take care of Tulsa, but. Uh... And then we've got another home game, but yeah, bye week next week as well. So we'll have a fun. Bye. We're gonna have to do a bye week show, think of some good stuff. Which I, I mentioned, we're gonna try to get a uh, a fun guest speaker on for next week. So make sure you tune in for that show. Um, hopefully, we'll have a former UCF player um, on the show with us, talking about some of his experiences when he played uh, during the George O'Leary era and the Mike Krusek era. So that'll be pretty fun. All right, I'm looking forward to that. So 
Cheers. Thanks for uh, listening in. Thanks for having us. Also, a huge shout out to uh, one of Todd's friends, Mark. Mark Schaub. Mark Schaub, who actually used to run a UCF radio show when he was in college back in the early 2000s and uh, came over here, helped us out with our equipment so we can stop sounding like crap when we do our recordings and uh, <laughs> we, we get rid of the buzzing noise in the background or making sure we're not too low or too loud. So I'm pretty excited that he was able to help us out. So big shout out to him and uh, look forward to doing another show with you. Thank you for joining us for Three Night Bender.